0: Welcome to the Deconstructing Data Podcast. I am Jesse Lezak, fractional CMO at BDEX, along with BDEX's CTO, David Wellborn, in for David Finkelstein this week. Welcome back to the show, DW. How have you been? How are things over on the tech side of the house? Are you there?
1: Well, very good. We've been very busy. Uh, uh, You know, there's been a lot of... Yes, my, I'm, I'm having issues, it looks like, uh, with, with my bandwidth suddenly. But um, we're very busy. Uh, our Powered by VDEX offering uh, is uh, generating a lot of interest. And uh, basically, that's, that's uh, the backend services that are available for, for uh, CDPs, which uh, include uh, machine learning via API.
0: Very cool. Well, I'm excited to have you back on the show. And, you know, we're lucky once again to welcome in another esteemed guest. Ariel Geifman is an expert B2B marketer. He has over 15 years of experience scaling tech companies. His skills span outbound marketing, social selling, content development, and online advertising. Currently, he's the Chief Revenue Officer at Detail. The revenue science company. So please welcome Ariel Geifman, the Chief Revenue Officer at Detail. Thanks for being here. Hello, hi Jesse,
2: how David, how are you?
0: Great, thank you.
2: Excited to be here. Thank you very much for hosting me.
0: Absolutely. Unfortunately, I think DW might be having some technology issues and he's frozen. (laughs) Are you still there, DW? Uh, well, I'm sure he'll join back here in a minute, but, um, you know, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Could you kick us off, Ariel, um, while we wait for DW here and, you know, tell us your story. What led you cool. to detail and also, you know, what problems do you all solve for your customers there? Uh,
2: sure, I'll be happy to kick you off. So, um, I've uh, basically, I was one of the um, original founders of DealTel before it was acquired. And I think the main um, kind of mission statement or the reason that we founded the company is that we really wanted to have, um, you know, marketing professionals be able to do in-depth data analytics. Um, So we, um, um, in a way, we found a problem or a challenge that uh, marketing professionals um, were surrounded by data. So they had a lot of... um, information and data around them, the uh, results from campaigns, data from the CRM, from marketing automation, from email marketing, from a lot of different platforms. Um, So they were surrounded by data, but uh, some of them lacked uh, the uh, data analytics skills. Uh, So they found it hard to, for example, host the data or bring data from different platforms, unify data um, and analyze it in a way that would kind of reveal the entire customer journey, allow them to calculate ROI and so on. So we created a platform that allowed marketers to really easily integrate a lot of different B2B platforms. So for example, um, platforms like marketing automation, CRMs, the website, and so on, and bring all of the data together into a one center location and then unify this data Uh, in a way that would make it easy for analysis. So um, unified at the customer level, for example, know that um, Joe is the same person uh, on, for example, that came to the website and then the same person that the salesperson contacted a few minutes ago or that clicked on an email. Um, And then by unifying all of the different touch points across the customer journey, uh, we... um, we allowed users or our customers to um, do a lot of very cool uh, analysis, uh, for example, attribution modeling, customer journey analysis, uh, and so on.
0: Nice. I think DW was able to pop back on. Welcome back, DW.
2: Am
1: I actually functioning here? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> believe it or not, my, my laptop completely seized up. So I had to switch oh, to another no. laptop. So here I am. I have always have
0: a backup. We just got into the introduction, but I know you were here pre-show a little bit with Ariel. Um, so thank you for sharing with our audience a little bit about yourself, Ariel. And, you know, this is going to be a really great discussion. So let's get right into it. The first topic, empowering marketers with data through AI. Do
2: mm-hmm. you want
0: to kick us off with what you had in mind on this topic?
2: Sure. So, yeah. Um... I think, um, as I've mentioned, one of our original mission statements was to empower marketing professionals with uh, data. And I think that um, what we're seeing with the emergence of uh, generative AI is the ability to actually analyze data, company data via um, plain text. For example, asking uh, questions um, in plain English And then um, having the uh, generative AI translate these questions um, into into SQL and uh, get answers. We've actually done, um, we've created um, um, a better product that is very successful and you can actually see it on our website that does exactly that, that uh, you were able to ask questions in plain English, for example, how many impressions did I get? What was my budget last month? and so on and um, the actual um, AI model kind of goes to your advertising platform or to your web analytics platform and then pulls this data and put it, puts it on a chart and presents it back to you. I think this is, um, this is the beginning of a really um, pretty amazing innovation because it takes something that was um, clearly a human skill, basically translating a question from English into, um, into kind of a research or a data question and then pulling the answer automatically. Um, so, um, so I think that AI, uh, especially now that um, uh, generative AI is making um, progress so quickly uh, is gonna become very, very prominent in, the, uh, in any type of analytics. Jesse, I think you're muted. I think you're
1: muted, Jesse.
0: Ah, can you hear me now?
2: Yes. Mm
0: -hmm. DW, what would you say about empowering marketers with data through AI?
1: Well, I think the more you can move uh, these kind of tools into the hands of of marketing people uh, directly, the uh, the better it is. Uh, Many times, marketing people will have to get help uh, from business analysts and whatnot to Ask new questions and get new answers, and uh, having this be uh, user-friendly, so to speak, uh, I think is very powerful. Um, I, was, I I apologize for my, my ignorance and, uh, ahead of time uh, for the questions I'm going to ask. But this this generative AI is this something that you you bought? Is it off the shelf, or is it uh, something that you trained and, and implemented?
2: So uh, that's, that's a great question. So, um, so some of it is um, pre-trained um, open source models and some of it is um, things that we trained ourselves. Uh, and some of it is the way that we actually uh, structure the data and create what's called the prompting. Um so it's a, it's a combination um, of uh, capabilities that we bring together in order to make um, data analytics more accessible.
1: Nice. So I would uh, I would think one of the key things is organizing the data in a way that makes it possible mm-hmm. to to plug in I guess you know or be accessible to mm-hmm. to uh, mm-hmm. your framework.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. So um, to make this data more accessible, first of all, uh, we connect to a lot of different platforms and we bring the data together inside a detailed platform. So we connect to For example, Salesforce, HubSpot, a lot of different marketing and sales platform. We have our own website tracking technology that um, we use in order to um, basically uh, augment it with user-level data on the website. Um, So we take all of this data and then we do a process called identity resolution. So uh, we actually know that, um, David, for example, when you uh, visit our website and then you get an email, and then a salesperson calls you, each one of these actions actually happens on a different platform. So for example, the website visit was on the the web analytics platform, the email was sent from a marketing automation platform, and then the call was actually uh, tracked on the CRM. So when we bring this data together, we actually match the data, match the identity of each one of the users, and then kind of regardless of... Uh, the platform we structure the structure customer journey. So we look at the, uh, the timestamp of each one of these actions and then we know that uh, kind of regardless of where the action happened, um, we know exactly where the customer have been um, kind of throughout uh, his journey before the, uh, the purchase. Um, and this is interesting because it allows you to do different um, types of analysis um, without kind of worrying about where this happens. So you now there's no no more silos in a way. You don't have to analyze your web data on your web analytics platform or the CRM data on Salesforce. You can actually see the whole journey uh, kind of time-based and get insights from that. Nice. So it's a one-stop shopping for the customer journey. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh,
1: no pun intended. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, essentially, you're you're uh, uh, compiling a uh, first party uh, ID graph mm-hmm. uh, for uh, for everyone, right?
2: Yes. So we have um, similar to a customer data platform, exactly. So we gather all of the data right. together. That's that's we what mentioned. I'm getting at. hmm
1: Yes. Got it. Got it. Sorry, a little bit of a lag. It's, it's due to my AirPods. I'm, I apologize. Very interesting. The uh, graphs. I uh, I jumped on your site and I looked at some of the graphs, and, and they're uh, reminiscent of, of what you might see in in, in uh, Google Analytics. And I was wondering, uh, in, you know, uh, what are some key ways? Uh, I was going to ask you what what are some key ways that would differentiate you from 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 Google Analytics? I think you already mentioned one, which is
2: cross-platform journey tracking? Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, the first one is uh, the cross-platform, which is um, very important. And the other one is the um, uh, the ability that we actually track individual users. So um, um, we can actually match these users. So we're not only looking at the uh, website journey like Google Analytics. Um, mm-hmm which is great for e-commerce or, um, you know, type of um, transactions where uh, that happens solely on the website. But if um, the actual sale happens uh, offline or happens using a salesperson, then Google Analytics become less relevant and it's becoming more important to actually get the data from other platforms as well and match the journey from the website with the journey that happens after the website. Most of our customers are actually B2B and uh, B2B um, usually the uh, the website tends to be between five and 10% of the journey. So uh, people may find you through the website, but once, um, once they sign up or download something or uh, request a demo, then there is a whole, um, the whole sales process that happens that requires a lot of exchange of information, uh, product uh, marketing materials and so on. And uh, the website composes just a small fraction of this journey. So Google analytics in those cases gives a very limited answer to the customer journey. And you need something a lot more robust in order to track uh, customers all the way, uh, to a closed one opportunity, for example.
1: Um, I'm sorry to keep asking all these questions. I, I don't know if we need to move on or not, but if, if we have a moment, I'd like to ask. Uh, you use AI for for, uh, for almost like a bridge between uh, your data and, and the end user, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, for, uh, for analyzing the data, but is it actually used for re- revenue optimization? Is the AI actually used for that, or, or is that following your, your normal... You know, a revenue optimization methodologies.
2: So, for our attribution modeling, for example, we, we use a certain type of AI called a Markov uh, chains attribution model, where we actually analyze a customer journey in order to in, to calculate the incremental value of every touch point. So, I've mentioned the customer journey before. And one of the questions that we help answering by analyzing the customer journey is, for example, what is the incremental value of every uh, of every channel that's used for advertising? So for example, if a customer, I don't know, clicks on a Google ad, downloads uh, an ebook, and then watches a webinar, what is the incremental value of each one of these channels if at the end of the day they, I don't know, get, purchased a product for $100? So clearly, you don't wanna split this equally because you know that uh, some of these channels are more important than others. And by um, this um, Markov methodology actually allows you to um, analyze all of the customer journeys kind of across um, across your entire organization. And then by removing one touch point every time, I know it's a little bit uh, challenging to understand, but uh, removing one touch point every time, um you are able to calculate the incremental effect of each one of these touch points. Let me maybe give you an example. I think that would make uh, a lot more sense. So um, if, um, let's say that you have people um, living in Boston and walking New York City, and they can choose uh, traveling by uh, plane, by train or by bus. Um, so um, uh, we have, um, 500 people traveling by train, 500 people traveling by plane, and 500 people traveling by bus. Uh, 1500 overall arrive from Boston to New York City. Let's say that um, one day the um, train is broken, uh, it's out of service, uh, and then we see that um, uh, instead of um, uh, 1500, we see only that um, you know 1200 people came to walk in New York City. Makes sense. So uh, we know that the actual incremental effect of the train is not 500 people as we thought before, it's actually uh, 300 people that didn't come to work. And this is exactly uh, what the um, Markov model does. So it helps you understand what is the incremental effect of advertising by kind of simulating what would happen if you stop advertising in this channel. So this is one kind of AI that we do um, inside kind of the analytics part of the platform. Uh, another uh, type of AI that we do is causal inference. Uh, and causal inference, um, what we actually do there is we help customers understand what um, um, what leads would actually convert. So it's not just um, the leads that would convert, but what leads would convert if a salesperson would contact them now. So it's a type of model that, again, works on incrementality and helps understand um, for, every, uh, for every lead that um, requested them or downloads an ebook, uh, whether a salesperson should reach out or whether this lead would actually be more likely to convert without um, any outreach.
0: That's really interesting. And it's constantly learning so it can continually improve. We don't mean to cover up anybody here, but real quick have a question. D- Detail and G2 are not necessarily well-known ent- well entities to investors, but how do you see your data as revenue optimization? Do you sign clients with a pitch of AI based on attribution model? or Are you primarily consultants or just more SEO?
2: Um, So uh, we're a platform, so we're not consultants. So uh, customers actually use uh, the platform. They onboard, they integrate their data, and then they're up and running on the platform itself. I hope I covered the (laughs) question.
0: Yeah, great. Thanks for um, answering questions from the audience. If there's anyone else watching who comes up with any questions, feel free to plug them in. I'm going to transition us to the second topic here. Um, degradation of data in marketing and advertising. What would you like to kick us off with here, Arielle?
2: So, um, so I guess that um, there is um, a challenge that is, um, you know, getting, uh, I think, a lot of attention these days around um, the quality of marketing data, um, meaning that the ability of, you know, actually tracking Uh, the user or the promise that online, everything is measurable uh, is being challenged, um, you know, in, I think the last year or the last few years uh, where we're seeing that uh, it's becoming harder and harder to track uh, users and provide reliable analytics. Um, So um, I think there are a few uh, challenges that are being created. So marketers find it harder and harder to Know, rely on analytics to make decisions. Um, there is um, a lot of challenges. Uh, challenge, um, maybe justifying marketing budgets. Uh, so there a lot of uh, there's a lot of impact in terms of uh, where um, what happens when um, marketing data is becoming less and less reliable for for marketers to actually um, make decisions.
0: Absolutely, yes. Quality data—that's
1: mm-hmm. some. Take it away, Debbi. Refer- no, I was going to say. Uh, I think one of the things you may be uh, referring to is is the the um, ephemeral nature of mobile advertising IDs, or the increasingly mm-hmm. ephemeral nature of uh, mobile advertising IDs. We we became aware of this our, ourselves. We have a pretty large. Identity graph, which, uh, which we realized um, was not uh, worth as long as to be. You know, we can't hang on to information and say, yes, this is good. You know, we have to we keep it very fresh, you know, for it to, to actually work. So I, I think you're referring to one that as well, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So um, yeah. it's definitely that. There's also uh, the deprecation of third party cookies. There is, um, you know, the um, uh, cookie um, acceptance uh, on first-party cookies. So there are a lot of different challenges. They're all coming from different directions and all at once. Um, So that creates a challenge on all fronts, not only mobile, but uh, kind of across um, mobile and web. Yeah, and
1: there's also this tendency to the lowest common denominator, meaning that if California or Europe comes up with some strict standards. Everyone rushes to to uh, comply with them. Uh, mm-hmm. Not always, you know, uh, in that in that silo, but across the board, which makes it difficult as well. Uh, so that's that's that that impacts uh, obviously, uh, you know, tracking. But uh, something we found here at BDEX early on was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that there's a huge uh, a problem with quality, even before the uh, third-party cookie issues and and uh, ephemeral nature of maids old uh, advertising IDs uh, came about, they, um and we had to apply um, some. Uh, we used uh, fraud uh, fraud detection algorithms, basically used in uh, credit card transactions, to detect mm-hmm. uh, fraud uh ad, ad bot fraud and things like this um, uh, uh click fraud basically and it's it's shocking what uh, what percentage of that volume actually is these are not addressable consumers and this is still going on mm-hmm. so uh we we do filter those out as well so uh, we're well aware of that quality issue we're we're um we we're shocked to find it out uh
2: when we got into this
3: mm-hmm
2: so I think that um, what is important to remember is that um, we're collecting all of this customer data in order to make decisions. So um, as long as this data is usable in order to make decisions, for example, budget optimization or the ability to um, uh, to create the, the right type of content or make the content decisions or campaign decisions, then um, um, then I think that um, the it is good enough. Maybe it's not perfect, and maybe it's not, um, you know, kind of uh, uh, covers all of the uh, users and all of the customers, but uh, as long as we can make decisions, it's, uh, it's good enough. And the question is, um, how do we know that it's, uh, that it's good enough? Um, luckily for us, um, a lot of the data that we rely on is, um, is actually um, customer-level data, where we know that um, it's the actual customer, so we don't um, uh, we don't get uh, skewed data, for example, by bots, as you um, as you've mentioned, or we don't um, or we're more limited in terms of the impact of um, uh, of, for example, um, uh, things like um, cookie deprecation or um, the lack of uh, ability to uh, track users on the website. It does affect us, but uh, but not as much. Um, but I think for um, definitely for a lot of players, uh, especially the ones relying um, on third-party cookies, uh, it's becoming a lot more difficult uh, to uh, make decisions using data. Mm. Correct,
1: correct. Right. So, so uh, if you know, with all these people on your on your platform, you have there's there's uh, a plenty of first-party data there. Have you mm-hmm. ever entertained getting into second-party data agreements with uh, the people on your platform, or is that not, not on, on, on your radar at all?
2: Um, it wasn't on our radar so far. Um, most of the data that we were using um, was um, uh, the data that was um, acquired from the different platforms. Uh, so, so far, uh, we haven't been entertaining this, no. Uh-huh.
1: Just just curious.
0: Yeah, definitely all great questions. And, you know, we can let us know if you think of any other questions on that or topics, David, because I know we can talk about the importance of quality data all day long here at BDEX. Um, yeah. <laughs> but in terms of like challenges with customer data, this is our third topic, quite ambiguous. Mm-hmm. This is we could take in many different ways. Um, you know, I know we have our own opinions about challengers with customer data, um, quality being, you know, one that kind of, you know, mm-hmm. transitions well, but what would you say are some of the biggest challenges with customer data, Ariel?
2: Um, so, um, there are several challenges. First of all, uh, I guess that, um, one challenge is the completeness mm-hmm. uh, of the data. So, um, There is uh, what's called unknown unknown. For example, Mm -hmm. we we know which um, uh, customer interactions we were able to track, but uh, we don't know which ones we were not able to track. Mm -hmm. So, For example, Mm -hmm. somebody could have seen something on social uh, without us even knowing or um, had a wonderful conversation with a friend uh, who recommended the product and we we didn't know... um, so obviously, um, um, this, uh, this isn't counted uh, in the customer data, um, and I think this is um, this is one challenge that um, is very hard to solve. Uh, another challenge is the uh, um, is again uh, some of the tracking issues that are impacting everyone and are impacting customer data as well. Um, so, for example. Um, You may have visited the website anonymously and we uh, we didn't track that uh, so we don't know about it. And uh, I guess the the last one um, is uh, around uh, matching. Sometimes um, it is hard to get 100% uh, ability to match everyone across the customer journey uh, and that again, Impact some of the um, uh, some of the customer data again. The completeness of the customer data.
0: Oh, that all resonates so much, and I, you know, couldn't agree more about all of the points you made about mm-hmm. stuff that's untrackable. I put in the private chat. I don't know if you saw dark social. That's sort of a buzzword, you see. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, that's where I really feel like qualitative data. Comes in handy, especially for shows like this. It's a live stream, right? (laughs) So if someone's watching, how would we ever know if they're watching on your LinkedIn? um, You know, unless we ask. And so it's important to never forget to just ask your customers, how did they hear about you?
2: Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, Although I'm not sure that they always know. Yeah. Yeah. and if they do know, a lot of times they remember only the last interaction. It's true. Um, so, um, That's true. So asking your customers is not always the um, kind of gives you a complete and full answer uh, to where they came from. And it sometimes might even skew some of your efforts uh, towards uh, channels that um, uh, or you may divest from certain channels where, you know, they kind of gave a lot of uh, value, but customers failed to mention them.
0: Mm, That's a great point. You know, I think you're one of the first I've heard, like, actually say that, but yeah, you know, no one wants to say that people don't remember how they heard about you, but it is true that they can forget about certain touch points.
2: Um, Is it... it, it, Mm -hmm. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, is it
1: is is it actually possible that people say one thing and do another? <laughs>
3: you
2: know, so I don't. Think I will it's never an, eat,
1: a, eat at that cheeseburger joint again. You know, <laughs> and then I go back the next week. You know.
2: So <laughs> the problem is that, um, especially on you know more complex sales, it's never one touch point. So it's never one post on social, or just one ebook that they downloaded. It's um. It's a process. It's kind of a research process. So they go in, they visit the first time, they leave, they come back, they see something on social uh, that's interesting, they watch a video, then they come back again. Um, So it's a a process that involves multiple touch points. Now, when you ask a customer, um, how did you find us? Usually they'll, they'll mention one kind of random touch points, maybe the first one, maybe the last one, you don't even know. Um, of how they found you, but they wouldn't mention like, okay, came in, I, I don't know, I found you on Google Ads and then I um, uh, mm-hmm. saw you on social again and um, they wouldn't mention the full the full customer journey. So I think asking is limited. There are some uh, techniques out there that are more um, statistical in nature, for example, media mix modeling, which is sort of a regression type model that... Um, kind of looks at all of the uh, social posts and um, mm. all of your advertising nice. spend and puts it into, kind of crunches it into one model and then tells you what is the relative impact of each one of them. Uh, so this is one kind of solution if we're talking about AI to kind of crunch all of the data together and get insights um, that are more statistical in nature. Um um, and again, there is um, the customer journey analytics that um, uh, may not uh, capture everything, but again, should be good enough uh, in order to give you a view of what customers are actually doing.
0: Mm, all really great points. What would you add that, there,
1: David? That, uh, no, I was going to say, uh, you know, uh, in all all of your analysis. Uh, and uh, it, it's a, it might sound like a simple question, but you know, what is it? What is it exactly that you're optimizing? Optimizing for?
2: So, um, so customers usually uh, optimize for several things. One thing that they optimize for is what's called resource resource allocation. So they want to make sure that they're spending money on the channels that would create the maximum impact. Uh, being advertising, content, um, product marketing, and so on. So actually making a decision on how to uh, allocate budget um, is, uh, is one of the more important things that people do with analytics. Another one is actually seeing what is the incremental impact of certain content pieces. So people want to know, whether the content, for example, that they're writing are actually impacting customers along the uh, customer journey. So this is another use case. Then there are some um, kind of thoughts around uh, different um, uh, customer journeys. So uh, whether certain types of messaging works, what type of messaging works, which one is more effective, how does it impact velocity versus uh, conversion rate and so on. So there are a lot of different questions that people answer um and optimize through analytics.
1: That's
0: very cool. Well we got another question.
1: No, I was another... gonna ask we had one we had one 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 guy here that, that uh, had one metric that he that he optimized, but I'll, I'll get to it later. No problem. Yeah, uh, you can go ahead that. and uh, put
0: the uh, question up. Um, so yeah, someone from the audience was chiming in being in the digital advertising world, is the AI able to support on providing optimizations for digital campaigns, either programmatic or direct by with Google ads or Google ad manager?
2: Mm-hmm. So, uh, actually one of the things that we're working on is actually on the attribution aspect is taking the um, attribution of the campaigns at the customer level and pushing it back to the platform in order to provide the platforms with kind of the real value um, and help the platform optimize based on that. Um, So today, when you're actually seeing a conversion or a purchase, um, you attribute the entire purchase to that platform. For example, on on Google, um, if they're unable to see what was happening on other platforms or on other marketing campaigns um, along the customer journey. And the goal is actually to be able to allocate more precisely which, um, which channels are, you know, driving uh, conversions that require less touch points, uh, which ones have higher velocity, and so on. And we can do that by actually pushing the attribution data back to uh, back to the advertising channels
0: that's really great now what were you going to say dw um before we jump into these post-topic questions
1: yeah um so you know there was a there was a, another uh person that we interviewed here that also from israel uh, who had a, a platform that uh, was mm-hmm. was focused on optimizing the uh lifetime value of, of, a, of a customer and that mm-hmm. that pretty much you know, drove everything uh, that, that they did. And uh, it, at the time, it, you know, they said it seemed to make a lot of sense. Uh, how they would do that, uh, I'm not sure. But that's what I was, I was asking, you know, what it is that, that, that you optimize, you know. And mm-hmm. um, I could see that being being uh, the result, I think, of all the things that you mentioned earlier, which uh, which is resource allocation and uh an incremental impact of each each of the steps or pieces uh of the journey and also what which, which journey works better than another right
2: mm-hmm.
0: absolutely anything you want to reply to that Ariel?
2: um yeah i think that um i'm familiar with a company that you've mentioned i think that they are ah, okay <laughs> methodology. um they're basically using um predictive lifetime value. Uh, They're working on a slightly different segment. So, um, for example, imagine that on gaming, for example, where um, you kind of lose a lot of money at the beginning, acquiring a customer, but you kind of recover it uh, along the uh, subscription lifetime, uh, which is, of course, uncertain until the customer churns. So you want to make sure that you acquire these kind of um, more, um, the customers that are, um, more more likely to have a higher lifetime value um, and um, this is the way it helps. It's a little bit of a, a slightly more uh, different uh, type of audience or different type of customer uh, that they're working on but I think they have a very interesting technology as well.
1: Mm. Yeah, so, so, so based on what you just said their uh, predictive modeling uh, better be right or they stand to Spend a lot of budget on on uh, dead ends.
2: Uh, yes, it's going to be. Um, uh, I think, but I think that um, if they're not right, you'll be able to very quickly uh, notice. I mean, you you'll be on the that, right in terms of uh, yeah, yeah. your you know ability to recover uh, some of the some of the investments. So, uh, so you'll definitely notice. Mm. Interesting.
0: Absolutely. Well, I think we have just a few more minutes, so I'm just going to ask one of our post-topic questions and dive right into it, Ariel. And mm-hmm. if you could go back when you first came into the marketing and AI industry, um, what is the number one piece of advice you would give yourself?
2: Um, so I think that um, I would um, I would give myself a piece an advice that I got from um, an entrepreneur that I worked with uh, early on and um, that um, um, I was um, and he told me that um, um, basically told me like um, I, that uh, he was never sewing for any um, hour or minute that he invested um, learning and preparing uh, mm-hmm. for meetings for campaigns and so on and um, So um, it might look like um, there are shortcuts, but uh, he told me that um, at the end of the day, whenever he looks back, he was never sorry for any time he spent preparing and learning. And I think this is an advice that um, uh, is definitely um, worth noting.
0: Absolutely, that's definitely powerful. Being a lifelong student, there's really value in that.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. What would you share there, D.W.?
1: Oh my gosh. Um,
0: oh, we lost him. Not sure what <laughs> happened there. Uh,
2: I hope it was good advice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I ran away. No, I'd say, my, since I'm on a different laptop, I realized I wasn't streaming to my audience, you know? So I, I said, you oh, let me do it. I forgot it would drop you off. But uh, there's, you know, uh, there's no way to transmit experience to another person you know you can teach them stuff you can teach them skills you can teach them a lot of things but experience isn't one of them experience is something you have to get on your own so uh i you know i I can see why it takes years for uh entrepreneurs to really hit their stride Uh, you'll see somebody that that is hugely successful right and overnight success you know oh my gosh you know how can i become an overnight success but if you really dig into their their history you'll find that they've been working at this for 10 20 years and they have a, a series of, of uh, you know ventures you know that that may have worked well or may, may not have worked so, out so well but they learned along the way and they made their own path in life If there's anything I would I would do differently you know myself is I would mm-hmm. have made my own path in life a lot a lot younger than when I did. I Mm. would decide what it is I want to do and then uh, organize all the subsequent activities uh, uh, around that. And Many times people are taught to go to college and get a job anywhere, you know, and kind of fit in and then then decide what they want to do with their lives when they've already invested all these years, you know, one way. So you have to really decide what you want to do and then plan around it and then work towards it.
0: Mm all really great advice Very thank nice. you both so much in closing ariel could you tell the listeners how they might be able to find you after the show
2: uh sure feel free to reach out uh, over linkedin I'm, uh, I'm i tend to respond to everybody who reaches out um, so i'd love to get your feedback
0: well oh, that's awesome and thank you so much for joining us and dw it was great to have you on the show again
1: Thanks. It's it's a pleasure. I always enjoy these. I I always learn so much. I you probably see me looking off to the side, but I'm writing furiously a bunch of notes because I I learn so much from each one of these.
0: Absolutely same. Um, Well, audience members, we hope that you will check out BDEX's Omni IQ. I've put up a QR code on the screen for those who are watching. If you're not watching, you can just simply go to BDEX.com and try for free OmniIQ. That's what you want to click is the button that says try for free. Um, But you can create an account, no credit card required, upload a CSV file of your first party data, and then you can get complimentary data on your data so you can learn, um, you know, gender, household income, Um, It's really an awesome tool. You you get birth year free of charge as well, but then you can upgrade to learn even more and you can create, you know, enhanced and expanded audiences from that. Um, So, yeah, I think you should absolutely try it out. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. I love telling other marketers about it um, because typically, you know, there's a lot of work we have to do to do all this research on our audience to understand them. But this tool is really remarkable and just sharing all those analytics but DW, what are you going to share?
1: I was going to say uh, I have to clarify something that you said that you get birth year for free, and all the people will be, will be running there. You know, like it's not entirely true. You get the aggregate. You, yes. you get the distribution oh, yeah, yeah. of uh, birth years and stuff like that. If you want the actual birth analytics, year, have to pay unfortunately. You have to
0: download. Yeah. 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 Yep. You get e- Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. So you simply just get like um, charts and. For a lot of us marketers, that's what is better anyway. You just get a snapshot of you know where is that spike in your birth year um, with your audience. So I think it's really you know eye opening when you can get that good match rate, like you were talking about, Ariel. Um, mm-hmm. so let our team work with you on all of that, and you know upload a list, try it out, um, and we'd love to work with you on that. Just let us know. Anything else you want to add on Omni IQ or anything else that you guys are working on, DW?
1: Oh yeah, I just mentioned earlier on. It's that like, uh, we're 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 uh, are, we're working with this empowered by BDEX concept uh, for CDPs. As a matter of fact, that uh, we're, we uh, provide a backend to do machine learning um, uh, for um, ad- identity resolution, but but not just first party uh, identity resolution, but actually we have a very large uh, identity graph that, that covers uh, most of the country. We also have PII for most of the people that live in the in the U.S. Uh, I I don't know how that helps you in Israel, but uh, but uh, we we also do a, a consumer uh, enrichment, like we'll have have information on you know whether they like to you know outdoor stuff or they uh, buy stuff online, things like that. Uh, we do audience building, but we also uh, the biggest hit was in the audience expansions, you have a, a list of uh, first party people that you know have, have converted you want to find more just like them we'll, we we will find them for you and a very simple way through a, a UI you just upload the list, you got to wait an hour because it does take a while to crunch through all all the population that, that we have but then we end up with this list of people like these. these people are very similar to the ones that bought and have not bought from you yet. So it's worth marketing to them.
0: Since you mentioned it, DW, another really cool thing too, is that you can add the negative list. So when you're, you wanna go create an audience, you know, you it'll learn from the data that you import. So you get your positive yeah. list, you go put your closed one deals in there, you know, and then your negative list, all the customers that you lost, you don't want people who look like that. Um, but I digress, I know we're two minutes over and I want to, um, you know, we want to hear from listeners. So if you guys have any questions or you have suggestions on who should come on Deconstructing Data, please email us at info at Share your qualitative data with us so we can make this better for you. But thank you again so much for joining us, Ariel. And thanks, DW. That's thank you. Right. Take care.
3: Pleasure
1: talking to you, Ariel.
2: Take care.
3: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye.